As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a month. I would be honored if you played football for this team. The football gods are always on the Bears' shoulder. Go Bears! Go Bears! Boy, that escalated quickly. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Are there any signs that there's a bigger issue of disrespect? Is Jordan Love bad? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's clear to me that they're going to make him earn that left tackle spot. There's some good signs there. It's okay to be excited. It's The Adams. The Adams converge. Hogan Johns. And we are underway. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best live and on demand. Learn more at DirecTV.com. What's up? Welcome in. Happy midweek podcast to you as we move on from Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. Good luck, Bears. More complete team than Tampa Bay Buccaneers, too. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. And uh, a team that likes to stop the run is very, very good at stopping pretty much the only thing the Bears do well right now, at least on offense which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Welcome in. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns here with you on the Hogan Johns podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Hogue. You can follow him at Adam Johns. You can read Johnsy at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Ten Bears things are up this week. A lot of reaction to, I think, both of us. You have your five takeaways. Both of us reacting to the things that were said on a Monday, which uh, was almost curiously upbeat after losing to the Packers again. And I just found that a little odd, to be honest with you. So we'll uh, we'll talk about some of that. We have your, your voicemails to get to on the podcast today as well. Make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube to the Hogan Johns YouTube channel. And you can watch us if you're so inclined, or you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcast like you always have been able to do here. And we appreciate those of you that have been with us for a long, long time, as well as our newer listeners that we always pick up mid-season. So welcome aboard. A uh, lot to get to. The Bears are 3-3. Three and three. They're kind of where they should have been, where we thought they would be. Um, but the more and more you look at this upcoming schedule, you also have to be somewhat worried that this thing... I don't want to say spirals out of control because I don't expect that like last year, that six game losing streak. I don't expect it to be that dark, but man, there are some hard games coming up and you lose to the Bucks, you lose to the 49ers at home. Can you pull one off on the road in Pittsburgh? And like all of a sudden, before you know it, you might be on a four game losing streak. And that's what you got to be careful of. I think. Johnson. Well, let's be honest. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are 12, are 12 and a half point favorites yeah. for a lot of reasons. The Bears aren't going to win this one. But I'd argue that the, the 49ers game is a winnable game. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to win it, but it's winnable. Same well, thing so with is the, the game against the Packers. But that, so that's kind of my point. Like, When are you going to start winning winnable games? 
Well, I guess well, they you just, just... Well, they just did that in Las yeah, Vegas. Just sure. one loss. I know. Like Again, like we talked about, Aaron Rodgers is inevitable. I'm just I'm just saying. it's There's winnable ball games on their schedule. The Steelers aren't as good as everybody thought they'd be. The 49ers are now starting their rookie quarterback in Trey Lance. But at least this week, can they cover 12 and a half? That's the, <laughs> that's the conversation. I, I, I would actually lean... Maybe, maybe they lose by 10, but yeah, this week doesn't look good, but the other weeks, potentially, maybe. Potentially, maybe. We'll have to see. Um, let's uh, first check in. Call you, me, on maybe. Your, yeah. In, 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 let's check on your voicemails from the week uh, against the Packers. They always fly in on Packer week, and I imagine some people were fired up with uh, maybe some of that Aaron Rodgers talk and conversations we had, but also uh, I'm wondering if we get it. I haven't heard these, so I'm wondering if we get any reaction from um, maybe maybe some of the fans were flicking them off in the stands called in. There were so many. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just one lady. I've seen uh, now pictures on Twitter of many a fan. Yeah. <laughs> in I Navy think there was like and, uh, 20 people flicking them off. <laughs> yes, yes. Take your pick, Aaron. So. Take your pick. All right. Uh, here are your voicemails from the Bears-Packer game. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hoggy Cat, John Zipp, Kenny Geronimo back there on the microphone. This is Bob Dabowski calling in live from Soldiers Field. The Bears are up 7-0. to They just jammed it right down the Packers' gullet, and they're looking to do it again, courtesy of one Khalil a bear whose name literally translates to a bear, which is amazing because he plays for the Bears, and this guy, he can run the ball. I don't know where the Bears, they're just running backs like it's their job. Walter Payton, Gal Sayers, Leo A. Bear, David Montgomery. We don't miss him, but I like him. But let's call Bears. You know what? This is the Packers, they need this. They're up 7-0. I predict 70-0. to There's going to be a 7. There's going to be two zeros. Add one more zero to the current score. Let's go, Bears. Bear down. Super Bowl. Super Bears. Let's get it done. Chicago Bear Bear down. Where'd that first quarter game plan go? Ooh, wee. Are we going to talk about the officiating in this game? Like, seriously, these guys are clowns. They need to be fired immediately. I can't believe this. On both sides of the ball. But, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets every call because he's Aaron Rodgers because why not? Oh, well, down by three at half. Definitely thought it was going to be worse. Bear down. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure at some point Matt Nagy took over the play calling. I can't help but notice our most successful drive at the beginning. You know, we're going heavy sets, tight ends, lead blockers. And then all of a sudden, we're switching to all shotgun formations, and suddenly we're doing bad. Can they, like, see if, like, Gary Fensick or maybe Tony Parrish is available? Because every f***ing safety, evidently, on this roster can't f***ing tackle. How in the f*** was that a hole? You know, another season of the same old s*** against the Packers. I was told it was going to be different with Justin Fields. No. You know... I'm getting tired of this. The criticism of Justin Fields just isn't the same as it was for Mitch Trubisky. If Trubisky threw those two picks today, he would have been absolutely crucified on Twitter for it. This game. Seriously, I don't know which is worse. Watching the f***ing receivers dropping passes like crazy. Watching our defense miss tackles. I mean, it's like they took the first couple drives like, okay, we did a good job. Let's just let our foot off the gas for the rest of the game and just let Green Bay do whatever the f- they want it's a it's a tough loss i hate the packers it just i hate the packers that's it hey bears are pathetic with the rookie quarterback which is expected rookie quarterbacks do not win unfortunately our defense needs to win this year because of their age all right, I'm going to give you a glass half full and then give you what it's like living in Wisconsin as a Bears fan. Fields didn't look terrible, looked pretty good. You know, had his moments. But Aaron Rodgers, I f- hate that guy. Sitting there watching the game, he scores that touchdown. 
spits in my face. And like five neighbors came over and just gave me a discount double check right in the face. God, I f hate them. You know, I had a bag of cheese curds straight from Wisconsin that I was going to eat in victory tonight. I'm still going to eat them, but now it's just going to be a lot more depressing. Fair down, I guess. I am so tired of losing to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, John, I'm not going to lie. That, that, one, uh, that one hurt. I told myself in the fourth quarter that uh, I'd, I'd wait half an hour before calling. I just can't do it. That was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. But those rookie mistakes just keep hurting. I think he's got a bright future, but right now really hurt. I thought we were going to win that one, boys. Bear down, three and three. Ooh, that's uh, that's. Honestly, what you got to expect, unfortunately. That's sort of the situation. Did you envision like a house in Green Bay with a bunch of Packers fans now on the, the guy's front lawn doing the uh, discount double check? Yes, I, did. I uh, that's, oh, that's, a, that's dumping salt on an open wound right there. It would 100% happen, too. Completely <laughs> yes. would believe it that it happened. Um, the officiating was terrible. It really was. And it was both ways, like because there was a couple spots that went the Bears' ways, Bears' way too. Uh, I did not think that that was offensive pass interference in the end zone. Um, I thought it was a little bit close. It, it, it was just bad. It was that that was the equivalent of the holding call that they called on the Bears that took that touchdown away. Like both of them were let them play football sometimes. Yeah, the pass interference penalty on Jalen Johnson. Uh, I think that was turned into the league. Uh, well, because that was that was at four yards, and yes. he's getting off a jam on the line. I mean, you got to let him play. Juan Castillo said that Sam Mustafer essentially did nothing wrong on that holding penalty. And like, but some of this was almost comically bad. Like, do you see the screen grab of? I think our, our friend Nate Tice put it out of the the, <laughs> the ball, like two yards outside the hash. Like that's where the Bears started. Did you see that? Picture, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> like talking about like they know, spotted the ball outside the hash. They spotted the ball outside the hash by like two yards. Oh my god! And the Bears snapped the ball, of course. But uh, I actually um, wonder if if like a couple of those referees were seen double. Like maybe they thought the hash was you know how you like see double and you're like oh the hash is over here but it's really over here because there was another there was another spot where he was literally like. At the line where the ball was snapped, got stopped either at the line or maybe even behind the line. And then the referee just like was like, oh, no, it's a yard farther. It's a first down. Is that the A.J. Dillon run? Yes. Where, where it looks like it's a TFL. It wasn't even close. I don't mean to be laughing at this, everybody, but at this point, it feels just like it's comedy of errors, right? What? It's just... And then the, my favorite one, sorry to interject, was the... That that play uh, that John D. Filippo called the happening, where Allen Robinson comes wide open, um, but Matt Nagy said that the what was the back judge is also oh, yeah. in the field of vision, like essentially covering Allen Robinson. And then like I saw this comment on Twitter. Well, you can't blame Fields because he probably thought you know the officials were on the side of the Packers anyway, which I think many Bears fans believe. Yeah, the Bears had to beat two Rodgers on. Uh... Sunday, Aaron Rodgers and Brad Rodgers. Oh, he's good, everybody. He's good. Um, it was just bad. It really was. But that's uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. We have to talk about this offense. We have to talk about Justin Fields. Uh, really good j- calls there. I there some funny ones in there. We appreciate you guys that call in every week. I do have to take exception with one of them though, uh, and you probably know which one I'm going with. But to first of all, Justin Fields threw one interception in the game, not two. Okay, Um, so get your facts straight. And then second, Mitch Trubisky got the same benefit of the doubt his rookie year. Okay, don't compare the criticism or non-criticism of Justin Field right now to what Mitch Trubisky got his last two seasons, which all of that was well-deserved. Okay, it's different. If Justin Fields is having games like this in two years, he will get the same type of treatment. He is a rookie. He is just getting started. And oh, by the way, I think we are still critical of some of these things and will be right here in this episode. But to say it's the same, it's just, it shouldn't be the same. 
Like you, also, you need to live with rookie mistakes. Third year mistakes are different than rookie mistakes. Okay, so check in in a couple of years, but until then, don't try to make some type of argument that Justin Fields is getting away with stuff that that Mitch didn't. And also, I can I can go to the film right now and pull out five throws from that game that Mitch never made. That cover two hole shot, which uh, Matt Nagy referred to as the side pocket, which I like that throw, driven into a small, tight window in NFL throw, okay? Like, there's still plenty of good in there, too. And yes, we're going to sit here and talk about some of the rookie stuff as well. Also, Mitch had the tendency of checking the ball down on his free plays. I'm not lying about that. (laughs) Yes. No, he did. He definitely did. At least with the the real interception, there was the belief from Justin Fields that it was a free play. So he took a shot. It's not his fault that Allen Robinson slowed up at one point, stopped running, and then got held up by a defender. Yeah. Anyway. Well, regardless, the Bears did not execute the free play well. Uh, The center snapped the ball too soon because Cole Komet was not set. Another reason why that play never should have gone off. So the referees missed two penalties on that play. But regardless, can't snap the ball if you're not even set. And then, obviously, Allen Robinson did not was not running the free play route. No, no. I think and, the scramble rules are a problem for the Bears receivers because Robinson stopped again. Yes. Which almost resulted in that second interception that the caller was referencing. Yeah, they got to figure that out. And I understand, like, usually on scramble drill, you're supposed to come back to the quarterback. but Or go down the field. Yeah, and they're obviously having some confusion there. Well, they didn't run them well for Trubisky. Just a thought. Anyway, you and I wanted to debate what happened yesterday, I think. Well, yeah, I just found it very... Well, felt purposeful. Yeah, that's why I guess what I was getting at. You had Matt Nagy and the assistants come out, like... uh, Bears are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's an exaggeration. Well, yes, of course it is. But it's like I even had to stop in the middle of the press conference and be like, wait a minute here. If Justin's showing all this growth, and oh, by the way, you have a good running game. The Bears rank seventh in rushing right now. Or at least they did as of yesterday. I don't know if last night's game changed anything. I assume the Titans are already ahead of the Bears. Well ahead of the Bears. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. Um... So, your quarterback's getting better. You have a running game, which you haven't really had the last few years. Then why are you dead last in yards per play? Why are you third to last in points per game? Why is your offense still not good? I think you're, the, these are two conversations, though. That's where I stand. Um, they should not be good on offense. Everything changed. When Justin Fields became your starter, I get we're probably guilty of maybe I want to say overselling what he could have done for the offense, but at the same time, he's still a rookie quarterback. The Bears, this is my biggest complaint and criticism of the entire situation. Training camp was basically a waste of time. The preseason was basically a waste of time. They spent those days giving Andy Dalton literally every single snap with the starters. Going over plays that he likes, building an offense around Andy Dalton. And now Justin Fields is your starter in week three. Like, what the F were they doing? (laughs) I don't disagree with you there. So, I get that. Look, they should be criticized for being where they are. But you know what? Look where the Jaguars are. Heck, look where the Patriots are. They're not exactly lighting the world on fire. Look where the Jets are. The Jets, I think, are dead last in total offense. So, Kyle I do Shan- the- one more. Kyle Shanahan, great play caller. Look where his offense is. It's not amongst the league's best. Well, yeah, I and, and that's completely fair. I think... You're right. These are two different conversations. One, I 100% agree with you that Fields should have gotten the reps. At least more reps. We talked about it in August. We talked yeah. about it, I feel like, nonstop. During the preseason? And, they just, 
And and Nagy would come and say, "Yeah, we you, I agree, we should do that." And then they didn't do it. So I don't want to. I I, I I can't help you there. It just it, it doesn't really make any sense, but I don't know that I agree with you that they should not be better than they are offensively. I'm not saying that they should be at the top of the league by any means. But I do think that they should be averaging more than 16.3 points per game. And it's not even just... You You can say that the Cleveland game is part of the reasons why their season rankings are so low, like especially like um, yards per game or yards per play because they only had 47 total yards in that game. Except their yards per play in the last three games which you'd say have been okay. I mean, they won two of them. It's still 5.2. It's still, I think, like, I had this in my 10 Bears things. I still think it's like 27th in the league in the, just in the last three weeks. So, and that's where I think I disagree with you. I, I, I think with Fields, they should be higher than that. They should not be near the bottom in every offensive court category. I'm thinking they should be like at least 20th. All right, you should be able to score in a game where the Packers have all these problems in their secondary coming in. You should be able to get more than two touchdowns or at least convert those field goals in situations where you're in field goal range and got nothing. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I agree some of it's rookie quarterback, but I still think it's the whole offense, too. Like, this is year four of the system. Yeah, the scheme is fair game. And you have and you have guys who have been here now for a long time. Where are they? Why is Allen Robinson having such a down year? Where are all these receivers that you and I know I've been harping on this for weeks, but like all these guys you brought in, they don't do anything. The scheme is one hundred percent fair game. But once Fields took over, they went like fully conservative with this game plan. Like the, I, I got the stat in my five takeaways column. The, I, I think what you're trying to say, you and I agree on this. Justin Fields should be allowed to do more, or attempt to do more, because you know why those pass attempts just aren't there. And and I get why you want to slow play this, but I think your best chance in terms of scoring more, because that's what they want to do, right? Like Matt Nagy's obsession with scoring the football. Remember all those quotes he used to have about that. Yeah. Your best chance is Justin Fields in, in, in throwing the ball. Here, here's a stat for you, okay? Pass attempts per game over Justin Fields' first full four starts. He's averaging 21 per game. Do you know how much Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones are averaging? At least in the upper 20s. No, more than that. Trevor okay. Lawrence, 36. Zach Wilson, 34.2. Mac Jones, 35.2. Wow. Now, I think that will change. You know Matt Nagy doesn't want to run the ball. He only wants to throw the ball. Bill Lazor has to call those plays, but they've taken this conservative approach. So, to, to me, what, what's the saying? You know, you know, pass, to, pass the score, run the win. Isn't that the saying? Something like that? Eventually, they're going to throw the ball, the, the ball, the ball, or they just have to. Just have to. Yeah. They, um, but then you're going to get into some of the rookie mistakes too, which we saw. But that's, and, that's again, yes, yeah. yes, fine. That's part of it. Let them experience it. That's it. That's the, the, the main objective of the entire season. This is development. So I have a question. I have a question that, um, has to do with Andy Dalton that maybe we can revisit on the back end of the podcast. We have Adewale Agule coming up here, so we got to get to him and bring him in, the former Bear. Uh, and we'll talk to we'll talk to him about some of this stuff too. Uh, he's a very smart guy who still has plenty of football thoughts. Um, but I remind me to come back to an Andy Dalton thing I heard on the radio today, which I think it's actually an interesting question. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we keep things going with Adewale Agunle, of course, the former Chicago Bear, who knows a little bit about this uh, Bears-Packers rivalry that we've been talking about here. And uh, he is also the head of sports and entertainment at UBS, doing great things with athletes and entertainers uh, in their strategic client segment of the company. Adewale Agunle, it's good to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We were just talking about the the Packers. Go figure, right? Bears Packers <laughs> rivalry. Um, you were on the uh, like um, like 2008 was Aaron Rodgers' first year, and I'm just curious is what do you remember about facing him then, and then like what do you think of his career trajectory since? Uh, I mean, you know, for him to follow a legend um, that that was you know Brett Favre, you know, he had some some big shoes to fill. And um, I think after, you know, looking at his career, I mean, the guy's still trucking away. I think he's done a good job of um, getting people to look at him as, you know, as as good or maybe even better than than Brett Favre. Uh, He's, you know, an amazing talent. And uh, when it comes to, you know, being a Packer, I'm sure their, their number one goal is. Super Bowl, but number two has to be to beat the Bears, and he's he's done that, you know, handedly. So when you look at his career, um, he's he's done an amazing job, and to give him credit for uh, you know sitting back watching um, Brett Favre, and then to be able to now you know be someone that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, that's that's an amazing career. You know, in this three decades of dominance that the Packers have had over the Bears in this rivalry, there was actually a stretch. People forget this. Where the Bears went seven and three against Green Bay from two thousand four to two thousand eight, you were on those teams. Mm-hmm. What was different? What worked in those years? Where all of a sudden, I mean, it was it was kind of a brief period of time over this this do- stretch of dominance for the Packers, but you guys had their number there for a few years. I think ultimately, I, I really think our defense um, probably is, because we didn't win a Super Bowl is going to be one of the most underrated defenses you, you've had. You know, you look at a guy like Lance Briggs, in my opinion, probably the best linebacker I've played with. And uh, I've played with some Hall of Famers, um, you know, from Zach Thomas to even Brian Arlacher. Like, I've played with some some studs. Um, and then, you know, the secondary, Peanut and Nate Basher and Tommy Harris, Mike Brown. I mean, at the end of the day, Peanut Tillman, like, we had some – Amazing characters. Uh, I, mean, I have to say Alex Brown. If I don't say his name, I'll probably get a, a text <laughs> later on. But we had an amazing defense. I just felt like that defense, no matter the score, we knew we were going to win, right? We just asked our offense, just don't turn the ball over, and we'll find a way to win. You throw in, you know, Devin Hester in the mix of some of those wins. Um, it was a recipe for, I think, for, for great Chicago-style football. Um, and um, I think that's how we overcame it. Uh, I, I haven't seen that style of Chicago Bears defense since we've since we've been there. You guys were exceptionally close too, still close to this day. Like you said, Alex Brown will, when he sees this, will we'll, we'll make sure he's mentioned and whatnot. But like right. that closeness doesn't happen like all the time, does it? Just you know, whether give us examples throughout your career. But we've seen teams fall apart for various reasons, and that group of guys just seem so good together, close together, on and off the field, right? Yeah, it was a great – but I, I, I have to give Lovey a lot of credit. Honestly, he, you know, he had a great demeanor. I know a lot of people in Chicago, you know, wanted that, you know, old-school Dick Bucket style of – I mean, um, Dick Bucket uh, style of, uh, of defense – I mean, of, uh, of coaching and in-your-face in type of, you know, with players and um, – I'm saying Dick Buckets. I mean, Mike Ditka style of coaching. And uh, that just wasn't his style. And um, it worked well with us. We had some great mixture of leader, uh, of veteran leaders and some rookies. And I think it was just a perfect combination of coach letting us just be men. Um, we were accountable. Um, he wasn't, you know, on us every single day about where we were or, or what we were doing. And we showed up. We, we, we were responsible to each other. So that sense of accountability to each other and being each other's, you know, brother's keeper, 
um, lasted. And that was a great locker room. I miss that locker room. I don't miss the game of football. I do miss that Bears locker room. It was a great place to be. One of the conversations uh, going on in Chicago right now, um, well, well, Lance Briggs and Eddie Jackson, the Bears safety, uh, were in a little minor Twitter feud after you know Briggs was critical of Eddie Jackson's tackling and, and Eddie Jackson took exception, said something on Twitter, which is now deleted, and Olin Krutz just posted this. Um, how would you describe it? It was like a ten. Just, it was like a ten play uh, highlight reel of of all the great things that Lance Briggs, all the great plays he made in just the playoff games. And Wally, you just called him the the best linebacker you played with. So I don't. I, I think Eddie Jackson might meet, need to watch some Lance Briggs tape. <laughs> I mean, if he wants to be great, he should. You know. Um, but you know, I, I I come from the school of. You know, one, this is Lance's profession now, right? He's, you know, he's a pundit. He's, he gets paid to, to, to give his opinion on, on the game. So you shouldn't take it personal. It's, you know, it's just a game at the end of the day. But more importantly, if I was, you know, a younger player, I would reach out knowing that I could have access to a Lance Briggs or to a Brian or like, I would reach out and say, well, hey, I mean, how did you play at this high level? Like, what, what did you see? Uh, why were you able to hone in on tackles? I rarely saw Lance Briggs miss a tackle. And that's the reason why I think he's one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Um, was he the most fit, like, six-pack linebacker? No, he's not. And, like, if you want to build a linebacker, you're not going to build a Lance Briggs. But if you want to build a linebacker from, uh, from the way he plays football, his nose for the ball, no, there's nobody that I've seen – with better skills than, than Lance Briggs. So um, in this new age of social media, you know, it's it's weird to me that, you know, people can attack each other and and, and people get, you know, more more uh, brazen with the, the verbal sparring. Um, I try to stay away from it. At the end of the day, you know, I, I had my 15 minutes in, 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 the, in the sun and in the, in the spotlight. And I let these young men play and, and play their game. And uh, again, I just I'm happy that uh, um, that I, this game was able to provide a you know a place for me and my family. And again, I just I just as a Bear fan, we do want to see wins, right? We get yeah. disappointed um, in not having Ws, and sometimes we, we we wear our emotions on our sleeves. But um, I don't like seeing guys go back and forth. I think it's it's, it's not good for the brotherhood. What What are your early impressions on Justin Fields so far? I like him a lot. I do. I really think that um, we got to start giving some of these quarterbacks some time. Like this instant gratification mode that we're in is just not conducive for football. This is a man's sport, and it takes time. If I think about my my playing career, I redshirted at the University of Indiana, um, then went on to become three, four time All Big Ten. Then my fresh my rookie my rookie year in NFL. I, I was on IR the whole year because of my knee. Then I go on to become, you know, a Pro Bowl player, um, played in the NFL for 11 years. So this this mode that we want to get these players, like, in people's living rooms and on TV and running the show and, and wins, um, I think it's not fair. There's not going to be um, – the even the Peyton Mannings of the world. Remember, I think his first year in the NFL, he – he broke the record of interceptions. Um, so it takes time. It's a learning process. Um, I like him. And then the reason why I think there's no other choice, like he's the first pick of the last draft. He's our quarterback. I think he deserves some time to to flourish. And hopefully he can have some, um, some continuity with this offensive coordinator and, and Nagy and, and Nagy Nagy's offense. Got to give him some time. But if next year he has a new offensive coordinator, I say the clock resets again. Um, so we've got to be really patient with, with these young quarterbacks, um, especially these young quarterbacks that I think don't have the best coaches um, that are using their talents to the best of their abilities. A lot of times coaches want to mold quarterbacks into their vision of what a quarterback looks like instead of, you know, you know, tailoring the offense for them. You can't tell me this, that uh, and, uh, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields should be running the same exact offense. They should have right. two totally different playbooks. And I, I doubt a team has the time to do that. So with that being said, 
you possibly either forcing one quarterback to do something that he can't do really well or shouldn't doesn't want to do really well or the other quarterback doing something that um that he he's good at but he if things switch up and there's a new quarterback you know we're stuck with that offense so again co- coaches have to do a better job of putting players in the best situation and um and, and a lot of times these are some really good football players and they're in a bad place when it comes to the coaching staff and the coaching scheme. That's just the truth about it. That's the difference between a lot of times a really good player and a Hall of Fame player is is coaching. These young quarterbacks, too, I, it just feels like they have so much on their plate nowadays, like on and off the field. Um, so I want to ask you, like doing what you do now uh, for, for, for UBS, like I'm curious, like you see Baker Mayfield, like, all over commercials while he's actually playing the actual game. And, you know, um, even Justin Fields is getting endorsements. Um, Trevor Lawrence is everywhere. Like, these young guys have opportunities, um, but also they're trying to, to become better quarterbacks. I'm curious, like, what advice would you give a Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, as they they enter the this quarterback-starved league with the pressures on the field and everything that's offered to them off, off it? Man, that's a great question. I think the ultimate answer to that is, you know, one, always keep the main thing the main thing, right? You're here to play football, win games, and be the best player possible. That in itself is going to get you the big contracts and the amount of money that you need to set yourself up for a lifetime for your kids' kids and create a legacy, right? So that's number one. But number two you're seeing these new age players become more uh, in tune with the, with the world around them and um, sponsors and corporations um, companies are now able to get a hold of athletes through social media before you had to go through somebody, go through somebody, go through somebody to get to you. Now they can dump in your DMS and say, Hey, you got time for, you know, a 15 minute talk. I want you to just post one thing on Instagram. Now, the time that it's taken for you to create the content um, to post on your social media, a lot of times old school players would be watching film or getting, you know, prepared for the game. So there's a lot of responsibilities on their plate. And I wouldn't want these players to leave those opportunities at the door while they're playing football. I just want them to do a better job of balancing that, making sure that the people around them um, are, 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 trusted people that understand what the main thing is, is to win football games and to make your life a little easier. And that's why, you know, the work that we're doing here at UBS is amazing. Like we want to make sure that we're part of that ecosystem. And when it comes to balancing your finances and putting you in the right positions to um, make the right investments, um, you're not, you don't have to worry about it from our perspective. So um, there's a lot of these young men and, and, and women playing when it comes to, you know, the, the sports world. Um, we just hope that they have the right people around them to help them navigate this. In your experience, how different is it for each athlete? I mean, because they're not all the same. Some are going to have their priorities straighter than others. So <laughs> when, where do you fall in, in, in all that? I think for me, I think it's to understand that, right? The, the, the first thing, my, my thing, I think the financial institution has done a really bad job of is making this all transactional. Right. When I look at my relationship with my coaches, let's say Lovey Smith, um, that was not a transactional relationship. Big picture it was, but it was a real relationship. Like Lovey wanted to know about my family, you know, um, how my day was going, you know, how things are going with me at home um, and how to make me a better football player. Now, transactionally, you know, senior management, GM, those guys are the ones that are going to um, want to work on my contract. So obviously my relationship with them are not going to be as um, close as a Lovey Smith. I think the same way it goes when it comes to your financial advisors or the people around you. Like if it's all transactional about how much money you can make them, you need to look for another advisor. There's got to be people that want to know, if you look at a guy like, like me, parents are Nigerian, went to Indiana University. I was born and raised in New York City, happened to play in the NFL for 11 years, happened to make millions of dollars, went back to go get my MBA, married with two kids. Now, if that financial advisor or that agent or that lawyer or that CPA, all they focus on are those 11 years in the NFL, that's a transaction. Um, And my role is to get financial advisors and and financial institutions to start thinking about these athletes the same way they think about 
a Jeff Bezos and the way they think about uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and want to make sure that they have relations that last for, for a generation, not just for that short period of time that they're playing professional sport. Is there a teammate that you recall handling the celebrity? Like all the, all the stuff we're just talking about quite well. Because I remember hearing stories from Patrick Manley and, and Lance Briggs and Jason McKee about Brian Urlacher. Like here he was with so much attention and like there was a bunch of Nike shoes and how he was always giving to other teammates <laughs> charities. I'm just curious. This doesn't have to be Brian, but like is there a teammate that you would consider a good – I don't want to say role model, but a good example of how to handle the celebrity, you know, the business off the field, but, but also on it and become like, if you're Justin Fields, obviously like mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities for you. Like who do you think is a good example for him to follow? Well, I mean, that's great. I think ultimately, I think first and foremost, um, he has to be true to himself. I think Justin has a, a good family base thing with good father and, and, and mom at home. I think that's where I think it starts, right? You make sure you lean on, on the people that, know who you truly are. And um, I think people who have a good foundation of people around them, not yes, man, people that are going to tell you the truth about yourself and um, not be afraid to to ruffle your feathers, Those that's number one. I think that's the biggest key to um, handling stardom. But then more importantly, you know, look around the locker room. And again, with social media, a guy like Justin Fields has access to probably any athlete in the world, like uh, with a simple DM or um, having one of his handlers reach out to somebody, um, I would ask questions. I would see how things are, are being done. Um, and I would have adult conversations. He needs to make sure he gets out of that that echo chamber. And I know that everyone talks about Brian in Chicago because Brian was just was one of the nicest human beings when it, come, when it came to um, charity and giving back, I mean, and not looking for a hoopla um, and never said no to anybody. I mean, that is amazing. But at the same time, you have to be careful because I'm sure there were times where Brian felt like um, he was stressed out or all the, the, the weight of everyone's responsibilities or emergencies landed on Brian's shoulders. He handled it publicly really well, but behind closed doors, we don't know the stress that he went through by not being able to say no every now and then. I've never seen Brian say no. So would I say that that's the way to go? Probably not. But the way that he carried himself publicly and um, and made people feel like he was equal to them, even though he was a super Hall of Fame player, um, that's an amazing person. And I would love, you know, Justin Fields to, to emulate that, but hopefully he has um, closer role models in his inner circle that he can can find those those opportunities to, to um, those examples that he can lean on. I had another football question for you, but everything mm-hmm. you just said there just reminds me of, uh, like I've always like proceeded in my career with this, like athletes are people too, with other stuff going on, mm-hmm. um, other concerns at, at home, concerns, you know, in their personal lives, you know, their mm-hmm. own business priorities and stuff like that. And, and you know, their own fears and whatnot. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm curious, do, do you think people forget that athletes are people too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it comes with the territory. There's a level of, you know, um, pageantry. And we, I was talking about the other day, a level of like WWE, right? Like to, to football, right? You know, you see the Hulk, you know, Hulk, you know, I'm, I'm old, I'm old school. So you see Hulk Hogan and, and all these people and Andre the Giant, you're thinking like, yo, if I run up to Andre the Giant right now in the street, he's probably going to body slam me. Like, uh, you know, like something like that. But the truth of the matter is, it's, it's, it's all entertainment. And at the end of the day, um, we're all the same. We all have the same fears and anxieties um, and responsibilities um, that the normal person, and I don't want to say the normal person, but the, the person that's not in sports has. And I think because it's such a production and, you know, you hear these people on TV and they build it up and they talk about, you know, I was watching the the game last night and watching um, uh, Henry and his workouts. I'm like, God, man, what the, you know, what a running back that is, right? You think like, you know, this guy isn't human, right? But the truth of the matter is, you know, he he is and and he has the same, you know, he goes through the same issues we go through and has to write his checks and pay taxes and bills and take care of his family the same way everybody else does. So 
Um, I do feel like, you know, society does forget that at times. Um, but uh, more importantly, you know, I, I feel like majority of fans, when it's all said and done, realize that, uh, you know, these athletes are here to provide entertainment and some good times. And, you know, most of them don't take it too far. Okay. Now here's a football human related question. Okay. Like the, the pass rusher in you, when you're going up against a young quarterback, like you, you had two sacks on Aaron Rodgers, I think, in the opening game of the second year he was the Packers' starting quarterback. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but like when you're a, a, an accomplished pass rusher who's been in the league for a few years and you're going up against a young quarterback, like take me inside your mind as your human side as you're, you're ready to attack the inexperience of the quarterback you're facing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I, I think from a defensive perspective, there's nothing better than a rookie quarterback. A lot of it falls on a defensive scheme, right? So you can have a you know a rookie quarterback and a and a pretty good offensive tackle in front of you that's going to block you. You know what what is that? And now I'm going man to man against his offensive tackle. I I don't have time to disrupt the, the quarterback. But from a defensive perspective, I don't know. Shaq Shaq uses a term. Shaq says um, you know he calls them barbecue chicken or something like we see a rookie quarterback everybody in that defensive room is salivating a young quarterback because we know we can mix things up we can throw different coverages at him we can do different blitzes we can disguise our role is to make his life a living hell and the good ones like the Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers of the world they're able to adapt extremely quickly and um, so we do like rookie quarterbacks. But another good thing about what people don't understand about rookie quarterbacks, too, is the league is a funny league. And the, the defensive coordinators actually need 16, a full season, 16 games to take all of your, 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 your strengths and your weaknesses. And they put it in the algorithm and it spits out. And these coaches, by the end of year one, actually know you better than you know yourself. So the good quarterbacks have to be able to adapt and change from year one to year two, because now defensive coordinators think they know who they have. And that's why I think you see a lot of these young quarterbacks starting off pretty strong. You're like, oh, my, look, it happened. And then year two is like, what happened in year three? Like, whoa, and then year four, they're out the league. Um, these young quarterbacks are getting thrown in there. Uh, the coaching staff are not doing them a, dis- a, 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 a service by – Throwing in there, but not helping them adapt. After year one, you think you've had success. Trust me, defensive coordinators now know who you are, and that year two is going to be hell. So um, for a guy like Justin Fields, hopefully he gets a lot of his kinks out. But in the offseason, he has to get so much better and be the quarterback that um, no one has seen. Like he has to be a totally different quarterback in year two. If not, it's going to be more of the same. So I've heard you and uh, Alex Brown joke about this before, but Refresh my memory. You usually were on the left side or the right side? I was on the left side. Okay, right. So you got the double teams, right? And then yeah. he had to face the left tackle. Well, so which one Which one was harder? Mine was, I think I'm harder in the sense of this. I had the tight end and the tackle. Then also, I have to play the run the whole game. Okay, so usually, you know, teams are, are, right, are right-handed. They run the ball. They have their, their big, heavy... Uh, lineman there and the tight ends on that side. So Alex, um, great player, don't get me wrong, but he's on the open side a lot. So a lot of times he's free, he's not touching people, he's you know lallygagging around, plays coming my way, and you know he might make a play on the back and everyone claps for Alex Brown. But the truth of the matter is, I've held up the tight end and the tackle and stopped everyone at the line so that Alex can run behind everybody and hop on at the last minute and throw his hands up and do a gator chomp like he did something. Um, but you know, I'm a team player in that, but to be be fair, Alex says that the left tackle is is the most athletic. Okay. I mean, I'll give him that, but at the end of the day, man, he's a 300 pound six, six man. I mean, how athletic can you be Alex? Like, come on, like end of the day, I think that left tackle has a lot more responsibility. The left end has a lot more responsibilities, but I'm biased. Yeah, someone's got to do the hard work out there. I do the dirty work, and I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm okay yeah. with it. All right, and, and I'm not. Jay- and that being said, that being said, I still had more sacks than Alex Brown. So <laughs> now he, you're wow. going to hear from him. Wow. Now wow. you're yeah. going to hear from him. <laughs> I had more sacks than Alex Brown. 
right, and I'm on Jason McKee's coaching staff at, at, at Carmel. So when I go to practice later today, what do I need to tell him? You with Jason and uh, and um, and Rasheed too. Rasheed. Yeah. Does Rasheed still have those? His, does he? His hands are still messed up. Isn't one of his fingers like completely like destroyed? Yeah. How it's do you coach, coach like that. Well, you know, there are a couple times where uh, maybe he tries to run a route to show his wide receivers oh, what's up, my. and then and then he drops ah. the ball in the end zone. Yes, I'm not, yes, I, yes. You know. Tell him to stop. All right, like just <laughs> let it go. Um, no, but I love I love Rashid. I love J Mac. Actually, J Mac, to be honest with you, is probably the one player that I never had any issues with ever like he's just a good person um and i have issues with everybody um i joke on everybody i pranks on everybody but for, for some reason j mac just never he's always just been like i look at him I'm like man that's like the guy i want to like have a drink with at the end of the day like just a good good genuine dude i'll do anything for j mac and and rashid too i love rashid they both have great families um uh, again, that locker room was so amazing, but I wish I had a better story for you for J-Mac, but um, I don't. I have a story for for J-Mac, his, I think his cousin. Uh, real, real funny, I was dating this, um, was dating someone at the time, and my girlfriend at the time was sitting under a TV during, um, I think, New Year's Eve or something, and... No, no. Jay, Jay's Max cousin was sitting under a TV, and my girlfriend was looking at the TV. And the guy goes to Jay Max, his cousin. He's like, "Yo, Wale's girlfriend's staring at me the whole night." And <laughs> and Jay was like, "Shut the hell up! There's a TV ahead. Uh, you, the only TV in the room was above you. Everyone was staring at you the whole night." So again, that was our story because Jay Max laughed about it. But it was uh, we had some good times. We, we, we hung out a lot. It sounds like the world needs more fullbacks. There's not many yeah, of them absolutely. anymore. They, they do. Like J-Mac. Like uh, use them on special teams, too. Trust me. We need nice. more of those guys. Yeah, we do. Uh, Wally, thank you so much. We appreciate the time and all the great insights, uh, both in, in, in terms of the football, but also the human side of, of all this. And appreciate the work that you're doing as the head of sports and entertainment at UBS as well. Awesome talking to you. Thank you. Same. Anytime. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Love talking to Adewale Agunle. Always good stuff with him. And I want to, there was something he said in the middle there about Justin Fields and rookie quarterbacks that I think went like right back to what you said earlier in this podcast, John Z, which is like, what a wasted time that was in training camp. Yeah. Because he's like, he's talking about how like it's essentially Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, the two different playbooks. So what yes. did you just spend six <laughs> weeks doing with Andy Dalton out there? More than six weeks. <laughs> Go back to May and just like think about the meetings. Like, ah, my number one complaint about the whole thing, and it's a, and it's yeah. a legitimate complaint because it's coming to fruition on the field. So this, but but th- so this is where it comes back to something I wanted to talk about um, to close out this podcast. I heard this on the Mullion Haw show this morning, so Tuesday morning, and they had Wani on too, and they asked him the same question. And as soon as they brought it up, I knew they were going with it, and I totally agree with them. And, the, and and it goes back to, so then, why did they do all that with Andy Dalton? Why was Matt Nagy so insistent that Andy Dalton was the guy before? And it goes back to this idea of trusting rookie quarterbacks. 
So you, me, pretty much everybody in this conversation sounds like Wale, Molly, Hanley, Wani, everybody probably all agrees right now that they should be doing this with Justin Fields. Play the kid, let him learn out there, let him get this experience, take his lumps. It's not all going to be pretty. There's going to be rookie mistakes. But the question was that I think Molly originally brought up on the show, even before Wani came on, which was, what do you think the person, if you were to take 100, and maybe it was Hall, 100 coaches, uh, the best offensive minds in the NFL right now, head coaches, uh, OCs, whoever, and you polled them, would they rather want to play Andy Dalton or Justin Fields right now? What would be the percentage that would say Andy Dalton? That's a darn good question. And and Hawes thought immediately was it seems like Nagy would still prefer to play Dalton. I, I, I guess it's where you will... Like the situations in Jacksonville, New York, like they're just not the same, right? Like you get first-year coaches, so... Grow together, right? Um, Here, Nagy's Shanahan. under a lot of pressure with a good defense. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan, not under a lot of pressure, but still went with Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance. And again, look at the stats. Kyle Shanahan is highly regarded around the league. Widely considered one of the best play callers. His offensive numbers don't reflect that. Just saying. Um, Bill Belichick, he's not going anywhere. Different story there with Mac Jones. I just I think it there's it's a very nuanced conversation because you got to consider circumstances and situations and like when you want to start the clock I think sometimes there I think now in today's NFL there's benefits to having a competent capable quarterback on his rookie deal and what that can means for that window. Answer the question: How many coaches would I don't know. pick Andy Dalton? Just vague percentage. Half. Okay, it's interesting you said half because that's exactly what Molly said right away. Half. He said about 50% of them would probably prefer to play Andy Dalton. And then Wani came on in the next segment, got asked the same question, and he said the majority. And, and it's... Coaches want to know... Exactly what they're getting. Yeah. Like, like, I, and I guarantee you if you ask them all, all same 100 coaches, who's the more talented quarterback, they're all going to say Justin Fields. But they want to know that their quarterback knows what to do and will get the ball out quickly regardless of what the whole of their abilities might be, right? Yeah. So I think that goes, and I, again, this is not being brought up in any type of argument whatsoever that Andy Dalton should be playing right now. Neither of us believe that. I strongly believe Justin Fields should be playing and going through these growing pains, and I see a lot more good than bad right now, okay? But it goes back more to why did Matt Nagy do what he did early on? Why did they spend so much time in training camp with the Andy Dalton? And that's what it is. I mean, it's... Some of these plays where you're seeing Fields take sacks, I don't necessarily know what the outcome of the play would be if Dalton's out there, but I'm pretty sure he's not taking a sack there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when they're knocking on the doorstep of field goal range, I think those are two instances where you could say they probably get field goals in those situations if Andy Dalton's playing. And I was very strong after the game Sunday and still strongly believe this, that the coaches should have called a better play to get, make sure you get that field goal when you're down 10 at the end of the game. You need two scores. You know you need at least a field goal. You cannot take a risk of getting zero points there. You have to draw up a better play, an easier throw, an easier, quicker decision for your rookie quarterback to just get five yards Use the kicker that you had that has made 34 straight field goals in the NFL and get those three points. That, I believe, is on the coaching staff, which also goes back to what Wally was just talking about. Because a lot of the time, these guys fail because of their coaches. I feel like a lot of this could have been sorted out in practice and training camp. Instead, you have Justin Fields throwing the Rodney Adams and John Vay Johnson and... 
How about this? I am blanking on the other tight end that is on this roster that was so impressive in training camp right now. I am just what what's his name? Jester Jesper Horsted? No, no, no. Um another tight end? Yes. So you're blanking on him too. We talked about him all the time in training camp. A tight end? Yes, but now I can't remember his name. Oh. Now it's gonna bother me. I'm gonna look it up. Say some yeah. stuff. All Please do, because I don't remember. No, it's going to bother I, you. When I, I was going to say, though, that I had this moment a week ago where um, in the most predictable thing ever, remember the whole whole big controversy of Rodney Adams like originally getting waived? Oh, yeah. Or he made the team and then he got waived because then they picked up Rashad Perriman. Remember all that? How many people even remember Rodney Adams is on the practice squad right now? Jesse James. Oh, I didn't know who that's what you were talking. Yeah, he's on the team. Yes, that's what I mean. He's on the team. He, he plays every the, week. He made the team because of Just Fields. Because every, I, I oh, firmly believe that. Yeah, but maybe. Ah, uh, what are we doing here? What did I say earlier? What the f are we doing here? It's all right. It's all right. And that's the facts. That's that's one hundred percent truth. All right. I do have one more point on this, and we can go. Okay. Then I'll say, see ya. I, I think that's why. Adam Jones, like, go ahead. Thank you, Adam Women. I, I think that's why you have like the market for Tom Brady. It's why the Rams trade everything for Matthew Stafford. It's why Teddy Bridgewater is starting over Julak in Denver. It's why Sam Darnold is a better option for the Panthers at this point for Matt Rule instead of drafting a guy like. Dave Wansett is on to something here. <laughs> it's why, and again, I'm not defending it, it's why the Bears paid Andy Dalton $10 million. That's why there's a market for Carson Wentz. That's why Jameis Winston is starting in New Orleans. Yeah. I don't know if those are all equal. Nah, no, they're not. But, uh, you, but you, you were you were onto something, I think, with like, the Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford at, stuff. But then yeah, once yeah. you start bringing Carson Wentz and James Winston in here, <laughs> get out of here. No. But that just shows you how desperate these teams are, you know? I don't know. I'm throwing my they are desperate. flashcards around here. Just They are desperate. What's on the flashcards? What are we learning? Uh, Spanish. Ooh, already? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hola. Michael Ola? Michael Ola. How about that name, Paul? That was crazy. I that is you know sometimes like a name comes up and you're like if that had not come up right there in that moment I never would have thought about that name <laughs> another time the rest of my life. Somehow That's I forget just, Jesse James's name, but Michael Ola just pops right in the old head. Did you see Brian Witzman is going to be on The Bachelor? Wait, wait. <laughs> yes. Time out. New podcast starting now. What? <laughs> I I learned this from a, a Twitter account. Uh, owned by Chris Emma. You're not listening, Chris. Okay, he tweeted this. It's a good tweet. I did. I would not have known this without this tweet from Chris. This is Emma. the my favorite thing I've learned this week. Go on. And it was. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but Brian Witzman is on the new Bachelor. I don't know. Well, if it's the Bachelor, then he has to be the, be the Bachelor, right? or so is Kevin, it Bachelorette? So Kevin Fishbane's going to watch this and give us breakdowns. All right, I better bring that. Yeah, there are some people in that media room that are obsessed with the show. Um, you and I are not among them. No. I, I cannot say I've ever watched a single episode of The Bachelor. I probably still won't with Brian Witzman, but I'm intrigued for this moment. Um, Here we go. Oh, it is The Bachelorette. Okay, Chris Emma, 21 hours ago, at CMA670. A new season of The Bachelorette, Bachelorette premieres tomorrow. So that would be tonight now, Tuesday as we record this. And it includes former Bears lineman Brian Witzman, a five-year NFL veteran who played in Chicago for the 2018 season. According to his Bachelor biography, he believes in fate, loves philosophy, and thinks orchids are majestic. I, I don't mean to laugh, but I'm laughing. I don't know why I find it funny. Good for Brian Witzman. Best of luck to you. Orchids are majestic. No, don't care. That's not nice. Come on, Mitch. Um, 
The best part, if you look up this tweet, are his shoes. They literally look like snakeskin shoes or something. He's wearing like a very normal black charcoalish suit, and then there's like these snakeskin shoes. That should work well for him. Some guys could pull that off. I'll so, to my uh, Allbirds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe Bob Dabrowski can become our bachelorette correspondent because uh, you and I will not be following this development. No, this is the the one and only segment of the bachelorette we'll, we'll do because a Bears, former Bears offensive lineman is now included. But good luck to Brian Witzman. I hope he gets the rose. Oh, that's or that, whatever. That do they still do yeah. that on the bachelorette? No, man. I have not seen one episode of that show. Me neither. All right. Uh, we are out of here. Fun episode, though. Thanks to Adewale Gune for jumping on with some uh, great insight. And, um, you know, we'll continue to try to solve the world's problems of the Bears' offense. <laughs> this is one of the prevailing world's problems. It's not, it's not necessarily one of the world's prevailing problems, but it is one of the world's great mysteries. <laughs> I would say that. That's good. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read us at NBCSportsChicago.com or read me at least. Johnsy's on The Athletic, TheAthletic.com. Slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. Get his five takeaways from Monday. Um, Kevin Fishbane. Man, where's Fishbane? He got to fill in for a couple episodes and then he just disappeared. He's ghosting us. It will... Fishbane will return on Thursday. I think you oh. could do our three big questions. Ooh, nice. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Oh, he's not on this podcast. Join snakeskin snake boots and watching The Bachelor. No. You know, if Pat wasn't happily married, I could see him on The Bachelorette wearing some fancy outfits. He's a well-dressed man, I have to say. He is. He is. Although, when he wore those green pants that one game, Nagy called him out for it, I think. <laughs> Somebody called him out for it yeah. in the press conference. <laughs> Yes. Well, he, sh- he should be called out for wearing green pants. And they were like lime green pants. Yes. Yes, lime green pants. So. All right. We'll talk to you on Thursday. See ya. F*** you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs>